Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Looking for the perfect gift? Check out a Visa Virtual Account. Available at giftcards.com. Gifting a Visa Virtual Account is easy. Simply select your gift amount, add optional personalization, and click send. A thoughtful gift delivered in moments. As one of the world's most recognized brands, virtual Visa cards are secure, never expire, and work for any budget. They're also eco-friendly. Eliminate the need for plastic with a virtual gift delivered straight to their inbox. Whether you're shopping for a family member, friend, coworker, or client, a Visa virtual account is always the perfect fit. Visa virtual accounts can be used online anywhere Visa is accepted, so the possibilities are endless. They're convenient to send and easy to spend, making it the perfect gift for any occasion. Start gifting your virtual Visa today at www.giftcards.com virtual. Want a podcast? Got a podcast? Then check out Launchpad DM powered by Podcast One. Launchpad DM is a totally free platform and service for anyone who wants to podcast, offering unlimited hosting and access to a dashboard with all of your show's analytics. You own and control everything, including subscribers. And it's a great discovery tool to help people find your podcast. You may even get invited to join the official Podcast One roster with even more perks like access to producers, marketers, sales teams, and more. Sign Sign up today at launchpaddm.com. It's officially July, which means football season is here. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. It's what I've always wanted. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start-or-sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football, don't want, but don't want to manage all those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. That's incredible. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Coming soon to the Yahoo Fantasy app. So I want to talk to you about something that uh, that's kind of important. Oh. Um, manscaping. It's something that uh, in 2019 needs to be a part of every man's life. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can't be unwieldy in any, in any aspect of your life, including that. What if I told you there was a tool now built for all the men out there that need manscaping? Would you be excited? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough when you're just putting together ad hoc tools. Right. You, can, you go out there and you're like, look, I need something to properly take care of all of the parts of my body. And yet they don't exist. Manscaped has got you covered. They offer precision engineered tools to protect, you know it, your family jewels. I personally have been using Manscaped for over a year now. Wow. They have tools for every part of the body that you might need and 
one of the great things is that they're each designed to not hurt you, which is a key consideration. Yeah, I mean, it's big. It's big. You it don't want to slip up with those scissors. So if you if you can avoid the scissors, you, right? Everyone has watched. She's out of my league. Yeah. You know, knows the tenuous situation that can yeah. happen down there. Don't be afraid about it. Go out there. Get yourself some Manscaped tools to make yourself the best man you can be. Um, if you use promo code PFF at manscaped.com, you can get 20% off plus free shipping. That's promo code PFF. They've got a couple of different things. So they've got this electric trimmer, which, you know, I think people... Is that the, could, is that the lawnmower? Uh, yes, the lawnmower. It's, yeah. They've got the 2.0. And what's cool is it's got the skin safe technology because nothing is worse than a snag. You know nothing, what I'm talking nothing. about. Absolutely the nothing. The snag is the worst. You're sitting there, you're like, I'm just going to, you know, so I've got a time. Uh, uh, Ethan, our producer, has uh, laughed in the podcast. I've got a date tonight. I want to, I want to snag free prep for this date tonight. Mm-hmm. And some of the cool things that they've got to then make sure that after mm-hmm. you scape, you're in good shape, like the crop preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Wow. Which I have used and I think is fantastic. Uh, yeah, as, uh, yeah. As somebody who is wearing, you know, a, a manscaping undergarment, it also that's also a good one as well. Uh, so head to manscaped.com, Use promo code PFF if you want some personal advice about how to manscape. Eric again is your guy. Manscaped.com, promo code PFF. Here's something that you may want to listen to this is this is pretty great through super bowl week we will be giving away a free edge or elite subscription to new pff youtube subscribers it's as easy as hitting the subscribe button and leaving a comment on any of our videos saying you did so leave your twitter handle in the comment as well so we can be sure to hook you up if you've got questions concerns or some good feedback you know we love it youtube comments hit subscribe make it happen the August 8th edition of the PFF Forecast, we're going to talk a couple of sad, sad things Already to talk about to start off. Geez. Yeah, hate to see it. Uh, we're going to talk fantasy. We've got some fantasy advice, and then we're going to review slash preview the Los Angeles Rams. And then we may or may not have a story from the Cincy Y. Oh, we do. Let's rock. Uh, this is we, uh, this time of year brings hope and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Life springs from uh, the grass upon which the cleats are now trot- treading, but it also brings heartbreak. And it does. Uh, it really does. Perhaps nothing broke more than our hearts, with the one exception of the skin on Antonio Brown's feet. Yeah. Uh, dearest Antonio, you brought a, a verve for life to the city of Oakland. You brought hair as colorful as your personality. Some of it located on your face. You uh, single-handedly brought the depth of Derek Carr's target. Above up, zero. Ab- <laughs> up by at least five yards. And now, we don't know. We just don't know. Will you have feet... Uh, with which to run routes. Uh, can I do a eulogy right now? Please. Uh, for Kirk Cousins' dignity. Um, 
just when I thought, you know, he taught, he was very woke about play action. Um, he hasn't said anything really stupid other than referencing the, the spread in the games that he's lost previously. I thought that I thought I was starting to endear myself to him because last season, I think he reset expectations to a normal level. And then he has to go and be Kirk Cousins and talk about the butt sweat of his new center, Garrett Bradbury, uh, a player overdrafted by the Vikings in the first round, already coming in with expectations that are far too high. And then he's got to deal with the, the quarterback that is digging at him, probably literally, uh, for something that he cannot control. So uh, we want to... Uh, R.I.P. Kirkcusin's dignity. Uh, this is going to be a hard one for me. Um, Nick, you came into this world uh, with a lot of expectation because of what Joey uh, had done in a limited time. We knew that your life might be fragile that the core was something that we might not be able to trust for a long time. But we had hope that the brief moments we'd have with you would be spectacular. Very brief. brief. And they were briefer than we had hoped. Uh, So Nick, maybe Joey as well. I don't know if they just do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they'll both be out for the start of the year. Their walk is very distinct and similar. Um, I just can only hope that he didn't get hurt uh, being blocked by Mike McGlinchey. Which oh, would sure. really make everything well, it, come that would full be circle like, for uh, me. I mean, it's just so hard to be injured by somebody so much older than you. It's almost like a, it's almost against the rules. For real, if Nick Bosa is hurt for like eight games this season, I'm going to have, <laughs> I'm going to be a miserable human being. Look, it's really good of the Niners to get that pass rush figured God. out. The only other one that is worth uh, discussing here, and I'm not going to bore the six people that are still listening with a Joe Hayden eulogy because we published an article about the Steelers being uh, the favorite, according to our simulation, um, in that division. And then five minutes later, Joe Hayden carted off the field. Here is the thing that I have learned this preseason that I forgot um, prior to this happening. Everyone gets carted off everywhere. Mm -hmm. If you're not on a cart, then you're not a worthwhile player. Yep. That's so the cart just tells you that they care. Doesn't tell you the severity of the injury, just tells you that they care. Joe Hayden apparently walking around was walking around before he got on the cart. It's cart season. It is cart season. Yeah, so um yeah, so if you if you want to read about, up about the AFC North and then the Steelers specifically, go to pff.com. We wrote a couple articles about that um because we think the Steelers are an underrated bet both in the AFC and the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the markets are probably not overreacting to Joe Hayden, but you never know. I, if you were to say, what are the big question marks for the Steelers, though, I do think that coverage yep. is one of them. So the first one is obviously the offense, yep. but I'm, I'm fairly yeah, at peace with the fact that Ben Roethlisberger will be pretty good. Juju Smith-Schuster will be pretty good. They have young talent on the um in the rest of the receiving core, but if they lose guys on the back end, that's not. Yeah, they did a pretty good job this off season. I mean, uh, Steven Nelson was a player who I think in the Chiefs secondary that was all 
bad as a whole. Nelson actually played pretty well last season. They brought him in to replace Artie Burns. He has sort of inside-outside flexibility. Uh, you know, Mike Hilton's a solid slot player. So if Hayden can play, they have a pretty solid group of three right. corners. And then Terrell Edmonds was their first-round pick last year, probably you know, very much overdrafted. But if he can improve, that secondary should be good. And then they have Devin Finally Bush from Michigan. Finally put Sean Davis on the right spot. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan's Devin Bush at the linebacker spot for Shazier. They have a chance to be a good enough defense where they're not putting TJ too much Watt. pressure on Roethlisberger and the Smith Schuster's James Connors of the yeah. world. Steven Nelson, the most targeted corner in the league last year, and I think a lot of that was he was just out there on an island. So yep. He's not the guy that you want being your number one guy, but I think, as you said, certainly a step up from the often torched Artie Burns. All right, this is something that I have to admit. I used to be pretty good at playing fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I mean, I'm sure like a lot of people that love football, probably like you, when you were growing up, fantasy football was starting to be a thing, and it was really awesome because you got a chance to captain your own team. Um, you got a chance to win some money. For me, that was a lot of fun when I was younger. And it gave you a way to use all of the things that you read about and learned about and studied. So I used to do a lot of that. Fast forward to now. <laughs> now, I, I don't prep for anything. People yeah. ask me more fantasy football questions now than ever before. And, never bef- and not until now have I been less qualified to answer them. Because fantasy football is just different from real football. So that is one of the things that does annoy me to a certain extent. So to make it more realistic, I generally only play in leagues that force you to play two quarterbacks. Uh, I have tried to incentivize my fellow uh, league members to devalue um, rushing uh, attempts (laughs) and um, and value the, the things that are actually valuable in the NFL. But still, there is a lot. There are a lot of differences. Mm -hmm. And so. I want you... The, it changes the way you watch the game. It really does. Yeah. Uh, but it makes it accessible to a lot of people. Yep. And so that is an important thing. But I haven't done any studying yet. <laughs> and you have graciously taken your talents to the fantasy world to build a projection system for PFF fantasy. So I'm hoping you can help me out. Yeah. I think, honestly, if I could tell... So the thing is, in fantasy... You know, it, it, and our friend Josh Schermsmeyer said this on Twitter, I think, it offends our mathematical sensibilities to the sense of we, all of our projections are, are for medians, means, mm-hmm. sure. and we do obviously give out some, like, sense of uncertainty to the, to the, to the uh, discussion, but really, um, in DFS or league-wide, you're trying to get first place. Mm-hmm. And so having the best mean or having the best average is not a good recipe for success generally. Um, It's a good recipe not to finish last, but it's not a great recipe to finish first. And so there's a couple things. Like, you really do want to have... Like an idea, uh, uh, you really do want to be able to find guys who are going to blow up because of variance. And at, we at PFF, I think, have a pretty solid uh, idea of some of the what some of those things are. We had uh, our our colleague uh, Mu uh, Timo Riske wrote an article today about Jameis Winston and how sort of Arians' offense is going to provide him 
to sort of you know an opportunity to sort of leverage some of his high variance. Got to um, check that article out. But by the, the way. Uh, awesome. and and the other thing is just like looking at certain things like what is stable, what is unstable, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at like a guy like David Johnson. Two years ago, he was every he was the hottest player in the league, right? And then two years of being a running back sort of shows that it's not as valuable necessarily uh, when an offense is bad around you. They change their offense. Maybe he gets a little bit more targets. Um, but I but I think like the key thing is to look at, you know, and I, it's underrated. It's to look at when you're drafting, you have to know how good the team is going to be. So if you're trying to draft a bunch of great players who play for poor teams, you're, you're going to get game scripts that are just not advantageous, right? So if you take, for example, Le'Veon Bell on the Jets, there is a really good chance that the Jets are not good because Darnold doesn't, you know, doesn't respond to his second year that well. And Bell is simply not getting the touches in advantageous situations that are going to allow for him uh, to get you a lot of fantasy points. It's op- almost the opposite at receiver, right? Uh, Tampa Bay, for example, even though they might improve, they're going to be behind a lot. So guys like Mike Evans, O.J. Sure. Howard, uh, those types of players are going to get opportunities to shine. And, and so for me, I, if I had to give somebody advice, it would, it would be You're very giving much me to, advice right now. It would be very much to look at the season long win totals for the teams okay and think to yourself okay what teams are going to be good what teams are going to be bad okay so what i've taken away from this is high variance guys can win me a league that's what i want Mm -hmm. and team success is a is probably a better predictor of the you know situation matters basically so think of a player in the context of what i'd expect from his team and not necessarily what i've expected from him in the past david johnson is a great example he was a guy actually that so i play in auction by the way i I don't know if you agree with me i i don't really like dfs i think it's kind of cheap and stupid to be perfectly honest with you um so you're not playing that tonight? Preseason DFS. <laughs> you're it. <laughs> okay. Quick aside. More of a degenerate. Someone that bets on the WNBA every night or does preseason DFS? Oh, preseason DFS by a mile. I think so. The well. WNBA can be beat. I like the WNBA is a legitimate in- sport where they try and win. Where the players that are playing have real talent. Mm-hmm. That is not said. That cannot be said about the preseason. Okay, but what I was saying was the season long. To me, there's more strategy. It's more fun. And if you have an auction league, you can actually create a a salary cap structure and tie it to the real dollar value. So that's what I do in in both of the leagues that I'm in, and that allows for you know keepers and stuff like that. So I've had David Johnson on a couple of my teams for a while, and I have you know ridden that downhill yep. and i'm hoping to ride it uphill again um because he's he's an interesting guy where if you're playing in a league you're you're all you're playing against the other guys in there so it's worth thinking about are those guys woke yeah right do they think do they know that david johnson is probably going to be in a far better situation yeah. this year than he has been in the past well yeah and that's i i still play in a league it's probably my highest like money buy-in league with a bunch of people from louisiana and when we we we've had an auction some years we've not i prefer the auction because it gives everybody at least an opportunity to have every player uh, whereas a draft doesn't yep um but i would always i would always lit- i would offer every single saints player 
every single time right. and get them to bid up, you know, pay $20 for Ted Ginn Jr. Because, like, they're just, you know, that, that type. Jimmy Graham was one. Oh, every single year Jimmy Graham was overdrafted. Every single year he was overbid in the auction. And, and yeah, you, you are playing against other people. Um, and so I, let's talk about this for a second because I, I want to get – so I want to come away with a couple things from this. If I'm playing in an auction league and I have a couple players that I really like, I need to go into the auction knowing how much I'm willing to pay for those yeah. guys. Because there are two things that can really screw you over. In an auction – in a draft, you can just auto-pick – and like you're probably not going to be that bad mm-hmm. because you're sort of you have to pick a few guys. But in an auction, you can really have people just you screwing have to, up. You have to care. The two things you can screw up are you can save all your money and end up with no one left to, to actually buy. Or you can overspend on a couple players that you really wanted. And then you have no money left over to kind of fill out your lineup. So who are players that you think, OK, maybe they're not going to be. There's some guys that I should be willing to spend a little bit more because the variance, you know, they could win me the league. Oh, uh, that, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a great question. I would say none of the so to, to sort of answer your first que- you know, the first part of that question, there's absolutely no elite players that I would outbid somebody for. Like I like Alvin, like so. And, you know, we've had this discussion, people we work with, people in the industry. Like, I know that I know that I know that Christian McCaffrey's great. Right. It's sort of the same thing. But you really don't. And 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 so for me, like I think about, you know, looking at sort of it's sort of low end guys. And and this is another example of why I think like something like best ball is perfect for a player like you who knows a lot about football, but doesn't really want to keep up with the league on a weekly basis. Well, I do. Yeah, but, but you don't, right? You can't necessarily. Whereas not from a fantasy play, play draft, you, you draft your players and it just plays the whole year and you can keep up, but you don't have to worry about setting lineups. But for me, I always find myself, drafting certain players and the one that i and i think i've mentioned this before is kiki kuti i always draft him in play draft at the end because you know he's the type of player that like he gets a like in in the games he played with with deshaun watson he got like 10 targets in like every game and volume is king in fantasy football how good you are is really sort of like a secondary factor so i'm always like i'm always buying him at the end of the uh, draft i'm always buying Jameis at the end of drafts um so that's kind of i don't think i'd ever overpay for anybody in an auction but i do think like there are certain players that i feel like in every single league i'm in i always end up getting because i value them maybe a round ahead of everybody and they're always there uh when the time comes what's your what are your thoughts on running back because I find myself recently in the in the drafts that I've done as I've been at PFF now that we've sort of studied the value of the yeah. run having a really hard time paying a lot yeah. of money for running backs and my sort of take on it is I'm not going to overspend on a guy because it's just so hard to predict from an injury standpoint from an offensive standpoint what is your thought there Yeah I mean even somebody so take Todd Gurley for example you know, Gurley is a great back. He was a great fantasy back last year. But ultimately, like, you're there to win the championship. And when that happened, like, he wasn't healthy down the stretch. And so even though he got you there, you had to scramble at right. the end. And so even the guys who are, like, I think are good players, 
who are going to get a lot of volume. Zeke, for example, if he comes off of uh, holding out. Um, they're good bets, but like after maybe like two or three of these guys, Barkley being one, Christian McCaffrey being another, um, I I very much like the stock up on guys who I can see being a backup at first and then and then balling out. Another guy, and I think this like is my bias from like winning a league a bunch of years ago with Lashawn McCoy, who is start, his first year starting with Philly, is also starters who no one thinks is good. So like Lamar Miller is another one, where it's like he's going to get all the carries in Houston. Houston's a good offense. He's going to get touchdowns, but everybody thinks he's bad, which he probably is as a back. But if I can get him in like the fourth or fifth round, like I don't care if he's actually a good running back. What yeah. I care is is that Bill O'Brien's going to give him a ball probably too much, and he's going to get the the requisite uh, touches and yardage to to you know be a starting caliber fantasy back, if, even if he's not a starting caliber NFL running back. So maybe somebody like Fournette is in that category, um, you know, so on and so forth. Don't chase after like the. God, this guy's explosive. And the Aaron Joneses of the world, the Dalvin Cooks you know, of the world, you know, those guys this, I, I want to ignore because they're going to be overdrafted. It's uh, Sanders in Philly. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, my, my methodology is always to do basically the same thing, which is to try and get cheap starters and then to pile up on guys who might be the passing down guy or yeah. the – because they're sort of like there's a floor there that I like um, or guys that are – you know, in a battle. Mm-hmm. So Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, like yep. there's a decent chance Todd Gurley is, you know, going to miss a few games and that maybe he's not just explosive enough anymore. And one of those guys ends up being the running back. Yeah, that's that's a really I, good point. I want to talk about Christian McCaffrey real quick, because have you heard this? No. Uh, OK, so remember how I used to be a big fan of Danny Amendola? Used to have a lot of respect for Danny Amendola because <laughs> Danny Amendola was dating Miss Universe. Danny Amendola then cheated on Miss Universe with some scrub, was then promptly dumped, and lost his marbles. Had an Instagram and Twitter conniption. It was embarrassing. You hate to see it. <laughs> so Miss Universe continues being Miss Universe. Uh, this is Livia Colpo, by the way. She was, I think, like Maxim Pot 100 number one or something. Anyways... Christian McCaffrey goes to Cabo with her. Apparently, they're, they're dating, whatever. So, great for Christian McCaffrey. So, Danny Mandola has a picture that he posts himself on his Instagram with Christian McCaffrey's like, ex-girlfriend and her friend at like Lions Camp. Now, I just think this is the weakest move on the face of the earth. So, Christian McCaffrey didn't post anything didn't make it public at all these pictures were like paparazzi photos from a private resort or whatever and i just think danny amendola has gone he has gone from yeah the top of the top i just i i know he's like brady's guy i just have no respect for him anymore christian mccaffrey soaring i did see a thing about him doing some music stuff that i didn't think was very good but i he's not sitting on a car with some jean with a jean jacket but i have now christian mccaffrey who I loved before has risen yeah, yeah. to the top. But at the same time, if, if Cam Newton falls, falls badly on his shoulder, it's not, a, he's not, he's not RB one anymore. Yeah. So uh, it just shows. Yeah. I like that. And I interesting thing with Brady, I'm just going to sort of throw out a hypothesis. Amendola is a Brady guy because Brady kind of likes having friends that are like mm. solidly a tier below him That's and incapable 
right? Because if Am, you know, because if Amendola was capable of like the Giselle thing, which is like a consistent sort of like yes, you know, actually prominence in that position, right? Uh, then Brady I don't think Brady Brady would feel threatened by him. Brady wants to keep his spot there. Yeah, um, like Jimmy G. Uh, okay, so let's close out the fantasy uh, discussion with this. I have a couple of drafts coming up. Just give me some names of guys who, as you've been kind of pouring over the projections, have stuck out to you as as sleeper might be the wrong word, but guys that you're willing to pay for. Yeah, I mean, I obviously Matt Ryan is always somebody. Whereas if you're betting on, uh, like for example, like if you're betting on who's going to win the passing yardage title, mm-hmm. like guys that I think are underrated are Matt Ryan. Um, you know, because he's there's a chance that their defense is bad again, and then he's got to throw a lot, right? And mm-hmm. and that's always a good recipe uh, for success there. Um, you know, in terms of runners, I think Derrick Henry is somebody who's a little underrated right now because I, I think he's going to get a lot of carries. And I think, uh, you know, just that team might not be great. So he might not give you the type of reception and stuff that you need. Uh, but he is somebody who whose projections have always surprised me. Um, and I don't know if this is like prominent in the fantasy community. But I think Devontae Adams is like legitimately not thought of by the average football fan as a number one receiver. Interesting. But he is a top probably 10 guy uh, that I think if you're in a league with a bunch of people who don't follow football very much, um, he will be undervalued and he's very good. Uh, you can and in these play drafts, you can normally get him at the back half, you know, the bottom half of the first round, top half of the second, which is a, generally a steal given that who's the other Green Bay receivers? No one. So. Right. Uh, and he's been more than capable of that. I always end up getting t- Keenan Allen as well. I know he's had the injury history and everything. Um, and then lastly, I think Travis Kelsey is firmly the number one tight end, in my opinion, only because I think George Kittle is somebody who snuck up on a lot of people last year. I think da- I think Zach Ertz is going to be somebody who's going to get a lot of his touches cut into by they just have too many players on that team mm-hmm. um and even though Wentz likes Ertz I think that he's going to go down a little bit Kelsey's sort of been that consistent guy every single year um and uh, I think with Watkins and Hill on the outside he he still has a plenty of opportunity in the middle of the field with Mahomes so to me I think that's and, and tight ends really shallow so if you have to you know draft if your league requires one you should draft one that's like going to give you that benefit every week and to me it's like Kelsey Kittle, uh, Ertz, and what I think Kelsey. OJ Howard, though, right? And, and that's the thing. So if you miss on one of those three, OJ Howard is one of those in the later uh, part yeah. of the draft that I think you know will will, will help you. But um, yeah, just a couple, just a couple of pins there. Sweet, bro. Yeah, dude. All righty, let's go to uh, the L.A. Rams. Last year, Super Bowl, uh, despite. Probably uh, deserving to lose that game against the Saints. And I actually want to start there because everything you hear about the Rams this year is Todd Gurley or Jared Goff's extension. Mm -hmm. And actually, the big question mark for me with the Rams and whether they can win 10 plus games this year is Sean McVay. And I love Sean McVay. You do. But there are a couple things that I think you know legitimately need to improve. They had 
absolutely no passing game, uh, no quick game last year. That was something that the the Chiefs just, I mean, everyone talks about Mahomes extending plays and making these downfield throws. They had the second most quick game pass attempts. And I think think Mahomes had like a 130 passer rating on those. Those are important parts of your offense. Mm -hmm. Didn't have that. And the second thing was, despite the narrative, which gets associated with just McVay being a young guy that is good looking and confident, they went for fourth downs and made smart fourth down decisions at a bottom five rate. And one that sticks out to me is that game against the Saints. They have that fourth and one. They kick the field goal to tie instead of going for Mm -hmm. the jugular. And it ended up working out for them. So that gets swept under the rug. But it it was a false positive, right? It did not work out in a legitimate way. Um, and, And so the process there was not sound. And I... For me to see the Rams winning those 10-plus games consistently, they have to be making those plus expected value decisions more right. frequently. Right. We, we got—they were sort of spoiled by the fact that, A, their schedule was easy last year. You know, the two teams in the AFC, or in the AFC West were not very good. Uh, they got the Chargers early before the Chargers were really sort of uh, emerging. Uh, the Niners and the Cardinals were both down last season. Um, they, they had a— relatively simple time of it um and they were ahead and so a lot of these decisions really didn't like blow up in their face the other one was minnesota where Mm -hmm. on that thursday night they had a fourth and one decided to punt it back to the vikings luckily they were ahead and they got a strip sack uh to sort of win that game um but really like again if you're if you're in more tenuous 50 50 games and you make those decisions you know variants might hit you and then we're sort of looking at mcveigh like hey what the hell like you're you're supposed to be this great coach and you are like an innovator offensively but you're not you know giving your your team the best chance to win um so i know he has it in him we saw in seattle they ran a fourth and one sneak with Goff uh to to you know end that game but it's you know it's really something that i think will be interesting to look at their defense lost a little bit of talent in lamarcus joiner but they got eric weddle uh they lost sue but they got clay matthews i think clay one of the interesting things if you're playing idp leagues is i think clay matthews is going to be a guy who maybe doesn't play well but gets a lot of sacks Mm -hmm. on a defense like that kind of a you know the you know the some of these pass rushers have an end of career like all right we've reached our idp uh max Um, but anyway so uh but i think defensively the question is is are they going to be able to uh play as well as they did a season ago near the end marcus peters struggled but i think finished well they were really good in the games keep to lead play can they stop the run they were weak and they were weak against the run which uh, weirdly didn't matter um last season so i i to close out the fourth down conversation these seem as though they're small margins um and one of the ways that i like to try and explain it to people is okay say you have a decision that uh, on average will gain you a six percent better chance of winning if i put this in terms of like your financial future and i said hey would you rather invest in this option which is going to you know get you six percent more than this option like there it's not hard for you it's hard in football because it feels like the end of the world and you know this one game this one opportunity but if you continuously make that decision over time 
and you do it's not you know you might have two to three to four of these decisions in each game you are going to get closer and closer to yep. reaching um, that average and six percent is is quite a huge margin which happened to be that uh, that margin in that particular fourth and one against the Saints let's move to the offense though now because we've actually on the last podcast we talked about how Look, we don't want to talk about running backs because it's not worth our time. Speaking of, just really briefly, Houston Texans <laughs> traded a fourth-round pick just now for Duke Johnson. Ooh. A fourth-round pick, though. For a- wow. Yeah. So now Lamar Lamar Miller. How do you yeah, feel right. We just, we just blew <laughs> that theory up. Yeah. Uh, but the Rams offense, to me, that trio of wide receivers is as good as yes. there is out there. And I... I know my answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you this. Which one is the best? Woods, Robert, Robert Woods. Woods, Cooper Cup, or Brandon Cooks? Robert Woods. Explain. Well, I, I mean, Robert Woods just does more things. Interesting. So, like, Robert Woods played in the slot when Cooper Cup got hurt. Um, he played on the outside before. Uh, you know, whereas I think Cup, Cup's great, don't get me wrong. But, like, we've only seen him so far excel as a slot player. Cooks is a player that... You know, is more of a down the field threat. Certainly valuable to that offense, but uh, not not as versatile. I think I think Robert Woods is just way more solid. You know, he gets open, you know, quite a bit, and he doesn't like make negative plays nearly as much. I, Maybe not as Cooper Cup. Cup doesn't make negative plays that much either, but uh, as much as Cooks for for sure. I couldn't disagree with you more. It's Cooper Cup, and it's not close. Without Cup on the field. Averaged 5.9 yards per pass play, which is worse than what the Raiders averaged last year. With Cooper Cup on the field, 9.2 yards per pass play, which would have been first by one and a half yards over the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, yeah, but does that have more to do with Josh Reynolds and Cooper Cup? Or because you both basically lost two positions when you. So I'm not saying that it's just, I'm not trying to simply subtract Cooper Cup and say that's Mm -hmm. all him. I, I understand that. But. Cooper Cup is the guy that, to me, gives Jared Goff confidence. And I think that's something that we've seen with Jared Goff. Like He has this PTSD from Jeff Fisher where he has to be confident or else there's some real trouble there. And Cooper Cup was the guy similar to Julian Edelman. I think he's better than Julian Edelman, actually. He's more diverse, can get downfield a little bit better, that is able to adjust to, to play receiver like a quarterback. And um, Sean McVay actually has talked about that, how Cooper Cup plays the receiver position as if he's a quarterback, and that helps Jared Goff so much. So to me, it's Cooper Cup. I don't think it's particularly close. And him coming back, him actually getting hurt, I think, was really the downfall of that Rams team. I, I just, he was able to get a lot of those kind of short, shallow crossers, turn them into things, was, a, was sort of a um, fail-safe for Jared Goff that he clearly didn't have and, and torpedoed his confidence. So I think it's, it's Cooper Cup. That's interesting. I, I sort of look, the statistics are compelling for sure. I, I sort of, when I watch Robert Woods play, I'm always impressed. And, so, oh. and he's graded well for us. When you grind the tape. When I grind the tape, yeah. Uh, but I think it's a legitimately interesting conversation. The fact that we both feel strongly about different receivers tells yeah. you how strong that receiving that, that core receiving is. Court. And neither of us mentioned, or Brandon you know, Cooks, who's. Neither of us took Brandon Cooks, who would be a number one on. On a fairly uh, high number of teams, they've got some uh, some tight ends that have that have a diverse skill set, right? They've got mm-hmm. blocking tight ends, they've got receiving tight ends, and 
the offensive line, if that, you know, really was hidden by the effectiveness of the play action by making it look so similar to those run plays, right? Allowing them to get a, a few extra tenths of a second for Jared Goff. They got exposed a little bit towards the end of the year when teams just sort of said, you know, we've realized this. The run doesn't matter. We're just going to, you know, come after you. It's exactly what Fangio and the Bears did. They need to continue to hold up because Jared Goff is not someone that is going to make a ton of magic happen under pressure. He's a clean pocket guy for sure. Yeah, yeah. so far he's struggled under pressure, although that's something that, you know, generally regresses. But it's it's not something you want to either push. You don't want to, like, test a guy too much. Well, I mean, just having... He, so Jared Goff has enjoyed the most time spent in a clean pocket per drop back of any quarterback. So his his great play has been inflated a bit by that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's the percentage of the time you're in something also matters type of deal. Yep. Right. Where um, I don't think that he's going to get better at playing under pressure just by being under pressure five percent more. Mm-hmm. I think really what you're just going to see is his overall play diminish, even if he's better under pressure, because even if you're better under pressure, right, you're still worse than you still, are. The base rates are still different. Yeah. You're still worse than you are from a clean pocket. Okay, let's close it out uh, with this a little bit. If you had to take a team um, from their division, the NFC West, to go to the Super Bowl, would you take the Rams? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm intrigued. You know, I'm enticed to take Seattle, but Seattle. Like the argument we made for Seattle last year is becoming less and less tenable, Mm -hmm. which is they have superstar players. Right. And last season was Doug. It was uh, Frank Clark. It was Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. It's now just those two guys. And as much as I like Russell Wilson, I just think they're going to have a difficult time overcoming that coach, uh, you know, their offensive coordinator and then, uh, you know, being brilliant there. I also think that the. The NFC West will be tougher on balance, so Seattle isn't going to get these cupcakes against San Francisco and Arizona anymore. And I think that L.A. being a stronger team can withstand the improvements of those two teams better Mm -hmm. than Seattle. So I do think it's L.A. I don't think it's as big of a slam dunk as it was last season, though. They going over or under? Who? The Rams. Uh, ten and a half. It's ten and a half. I think yeah. unders is uh, unders a value Ooh, play. Actually, ten now. The under I'm seeing at minus one thirty. Right. So since we published the article, when we published the article it was ten and a half. I think. Yeah. And and minus one twenty. So people are steaming the under here. Probably because of Gurley. I mean, what is the reason there? That that is what I immediately thought, and um. Over 10 at plus 110 is still tough because 10 wins is so hard. Uh, I think that division will be substantially better. That Yeah, Jimmy G, obviously. Plus a first-place schedule. It's just tough. Coming back from the dead. So not as much, uh, you know, not I'm not rushing to bet the under anymore. But at 10.5, it was something that... Mm-hmm. And then there's really no value on their, div- you know, division odds. I mean, maybe the no is it has some value. Uh, and then Super Bowl... Uh, odds not really either so it is really just like kind of a layoff of the rams in terms of a betting perspective until maybe some you know mid-season where we get some more data i just think with the rams there's for a team that was so successful there's so much we don't know Mm -hmm. jared goff's game was very much dependent on the play action getting guys open downfield so he wasn't amazingly accurate 
but he was accurate enough given the openness of his receivers downfield and he made some incredible throws here's so a, here's the last question referring to Goff. after this season his contract extension status is a slam dunk or not a slam dunk i think it's a slam dunk okay that's so you're if he does not improve is it a slam dunk if he stays the same player he was the first three years well, well the, the, I mean this last year. Basically. The last year, right, right. If he runs it back, as he did this last year, on balance. So the problem was the way that the games were distributed, he sucked towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think it's if he has that same stat line, it's a slam dunk, mm-hmm. in my okay. opinion. And now, now, I'm not saying that's what I would do. I'm saying I think that's what will happen. Yeah, I think that'll be the per- perception, certainly. I, I agree that they'll probably sign him and, like... But it would be harder for me if he didn't improve. Plus, if he has Zach as his quarterback coach, like how he, how does he not improve? I I am not one of those people who I have a growth mindset. I believe that Sean McVay does as well, and I I believe that they will improve in the areas that they need to improve yeah. because their decision making. He's. A, He's a young coach. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why he couldn't add some dimensions to his offense to help he's, that team And he's get not better. like this like jerk either who's not going to take no. criticism. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a Okay, let's close the show with, with stories from the Cincy Y. And unlike most weeks, I'm going to be the one I'm to excited. provide the story. I'm really excited for this. So, couple, was it two, last week we played in a multiple person basketball game you me austin gale our colleague and friend we played full court and somebody who i refer to as the cement mixer who a smaller guy but you know kind of does the thing where he churns cement at the elbow just spinning like trying to barrel into you got you pissed off a couple times no he didn't piss me off he pissed himself off yeah yeah and then throws up garbage shots, right? So the cement mixer. We get done with this game. You don't fight anybody, so I find it as a win. And we come back, and me and Austin are playing at the, at the Y this week, and the cement mixer's there. And, of course, Austin and I want to play 21, so we, we allow all comers, right? This is, you know. So we get the cement mixer in there. And... Not only is the cement mixer the guy who yells line every time you shoot a three. But so, okay, wait. Quick aside. <laughs> your foot is on the line probably 50% of the time when you shoot like yeah. free throws on threes. Who, who cares? cares? <laughs> yeah. I also wear size 14. So who cares, man? So the other thing was, and this is the best, is he closed out on the free throws. <laughs> So you make a bucket, you go and shoot your free throws from the three-point line, and he closes out. <laughs> Is he boxing out? Shot! Oh, he's closing out on the free throws, and I wanted to, and like this is where I think you and I differ a little bit, but I just, I, like, I stepped back and shot him for 30 feet now. I was like, I just don't want this smelly-ass cement mixer guy to come in and to, like, box me out on my free throws. So, but yeah. So, so I, I immediately reported reported to you and said, "This is the segment for the forecast at the end." Is the I mean, it's great. It, it is perfect. I I don't think I've ever actually encountered this, and I have played 
a lot of 21 in my day. Here's how I would have handled it. So you step back to 30. What I would have done is I would have pump faked him first. And then gone in for the buck. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I won. I I would have thrown a pump fake. Then what I would have done is I would have pump faked, and then I would have thrown it off his like knee, mm-hmm. grabbed it, and gone. Because the, the free throw in 21 is super inefficient. It's yep. a three-pointer that's worth one point. So I try to... The possession's worth more. Possession is yeah. worth far more. So I would have tried to exploit that and just laughed in his face. I mean, that's just laughable. I, it was just, it, just get off the court. I mean, I was making faces at, at Gale the whole time because it was like... That's incredible. What the hell is going on here? So, yeah, uh, that's the Cincy Y. I think that's a rival story. Probably one of the top ones. That is, I, I have, I'm not even I've never seen a cement a mixer that wasn't at least my size or bigger. Like, normally you put, like, the left guard and have him play that high post yeah. and mix cement. But this guy was, like, you know, five foot eight, bad, left-handed, terrible. Oh, he's, he's atrocious. Yeah. That's our show this week. Um, if you have fantasy questions, PFF underscore Eric, you can ask me too. I'll Thanks, dude. Anytime, bro. Um, we'll be back next week. Peace out. Give the gift of choice with multi-store cards at giftcards.com. With multi-store cards, treat them to dinner, movies, or shopping on one convenient card. Featuring all your favorites like Wayfair, Ulta, and Cheesecake Factory, it's a gift card everyone will love. For last-minute gifting, choose the Happy Birthday or Happy to Say Thanks e-gift delivered straight to their inbox. Purchase multi-store cards today at www.giftcards.com.